Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Calvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now listen has How's it going, everybody? This is Joey Galvez at the House of Indy, and I wanted to just let you guys know, uh, hopefully if you guys have been following me, you guys know that I have lost my audio files, but there are some, uh, for some reason, I found a couple of, di of different episodes that have been lost and found through me searching for all these other ones. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to uh, hopefully uh, clean it up as good as possible and then put it out for you guys. And if you're listening to this right now, that means that it has happened and you guys have an episode that has been lost and found and lost and found again. So here we go. So stick around and check out this episode. This week, we have none other than Matt Groom, the creator of Inferno Girl, Inferno Girl Red. That's kind of a mouthful when you uh, when you <laughs> yes, <it is. laughs> haven't practiced all day. <laughs> but how's it going, man? Yeah, great. Um, it's it's been a uh, a big effort, and I would love a bit more sleep. It's also been a tremendous amount of fun. So <laughs> I bet it's I been bet. good, and I'm, I appreciate the chance to get to talk about it with people. So thanks for having me on. Uh, you're welcome, man. So I, I stumbled upon your Kickstarter just doing like, you know, a really cool uh, search. Sometimes I just do some search. I'm like, oh, well, well what kind of cool books are out there right now? And mm -hmm. I and I yeah, saw really this because there's always gems. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. And sometimes you get some really cool ones. And sometimes you're just like, man, how, why I missed that one. Um, <laughs> and and that's kind of why I wanted to do this little series here. And, and talk to people about about uh, some of the things that they could be missing. And I think Infernal Girl Red is one of those ones. Uh, it's one of those gems. And, and uh, mm -hmm. I, I brought you on to talk a little bit about it. So if you could tell everybody who's listening a little bit about the book really quick. Yeah. So Infernal Girl Red is an original graphic novel. And it's about a teen girl named Cassia who has had a bit of a hard life. She's lived with her mother and they've had to sort of bounce around from city to city because her, her mother was kind of uh, treated as a pariah by society for unfair reasons and it's left them kind of on the outs. But Cassie gets a chance at a bit of a better life when she gets an invitation to a very prestigious, if a little mysterious, boarding school in a place called Apex City. And Apex City is this like very progressive, very advanced city that that's sort of like kind of experimental in not just technology but also social practices trying to find the best way to live and she think thinks like maybe her like luck's changing maybe this is like things are going to start going her way and then the whole city is ripped out of existence by an ancient cult uh, which kind of confirms her belief that uh things often suck 
Um, <laughs> but she, she's given this chance to turn things around when a magical dragon bracelet rockets into her life. But the catch is that the bracelet is powered by belief and she is someone who doesn't have a lot of that. She hasn't had a lot of reason to um, have belief in her life. So she's got to try and find something because the whole city's on the line and everyone she cares about is at sake. So that's kind of like the the overview. And it's got like uh it's got some Tokusatsu, like Super Sentai, Power Rangers influences. It's got some like Ultimate Spider-Man, um, like teen superhero action vibes. It's got a bit of like boarding school drama vibes. So we're trying to like mix a few different things to um make the most compelling OGN that we can. Yeah, and, and and some of these uh this artwork here is definitely compelling and it does give me a little bit of a sense of like kind of like a Power Rangers feel. Uh, yeah so it's, it's it's kind of really cool looking and and you talked a little bit about uh you know self-doubt and maybe not and self and, and believing in yourself um mm. do you have a lot of self-confidence in the things that you do in 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 your career i think there's there's both um a lot of the time right like think particularly you know in comics it's always a shaky path and you can fall off it anytime and success can be fleeting. So every victory is that simultaneous, like, oh, that's great. I've taken the next step, but also that voice in your ear that's like, oh, maybe that was the last one. You know, maybe, maybe the, the next one won't break in my favor. Um, but it's something that's it's been on my mind a lot generally. And particularly for creator and books, the way I like to craft them is I, I want to try and find a media idea that I haven't made up my own mind about that. There's, there's something that I feel like I need to work through so that I can explore it with the characters. So it doesn't come off as preachy. It's, it's something that we can get into and have an honest exploration and, and sort of follow any threads that we find. And to me, this idea that like, I think to achieve anything truly great and unlikely, you know, in the face of long odds, it requires belief against evidence, right? You, you could almost call it faith. You need to sort of have this belief in yourself. But also, if you believe in yourself too much or you believe in something too much, you can very easily become self-deluded. And I think that's something that we're seeing on a really macro scale in society, right? Like, I think there are so many challenges out there right now that are going to require big, long odds like miracles basically that we're going to have to pull off and we're going to have to have the belief to be able to achieve that. But on the other side, we're also seeing the incredible dangers of self-delusion um, now more than ever, how, how people can start creating their own realities and wrap themselves in it. And then it leads to really destructive paths. So how do we walk that line between like having enough belief to achieve the incredible, but not fall off the path. And that's not like, there isn't an, that's not a straight answer there. Right. Um, so th that, that's sort of what confirmed to me, like, okay, this is, uh, an interesting space to explore. Uh, and then obviously like Cassie's a teen, right? So like, she's, everybody like has self-belief issues, but when you're a teen, when the guardrails of, you know, parents and schools start to fall away and you have to make your own life choices, that's when your, your self-belief has probably the maximum impact, right? Cause you're making decisions that can define who you are for the rest of your life and whether you believe you can make a, an, an influence in the world, like that matters maybe more than ever at that moment. So it felt like she was kind of the right vessel for this kind of exploration. You know, I love big, bombastic, broad comics, but I think that that should always be an expression 
of, of meaningful ideas. And for for all of the the flashiness and the intensity of this, it is it is very much about these ideas of belief and and what it means to Cassia personally. That's the, that's the whole core of the book. So, yeah, expect a lot of it. <laughs> yeah, because sometimes you, you get these big, huge, grandiose kind of stories, and it can be hard to keep them a little grounded. Did you did you stumble across anything like that trying to figure out how to how to get this story to come together? Well, I think, um, as I mentioned before, there's a lot of Tokusatsu influence here. And like, for people who don't know, Tokusatsu is a broad genre of Japanese, like TV and film. It goes, there's like the monster end, which is like Godzilla. And then there's the superhero end where you've got Super Sentai, which is adapted to Power Rangers. And you've got Kamen Rider, you've got Ultraman. And particularly the modern shows, they pull off this, this, Honestly, it's a magic trick. Uh, like there's a, a series I've been watching recently called Kamen Rider Build. And Kamen Rider Build is a show that's about the, the moral cost of involving yourself in a war, even if it's for the right reasons, and the sort of rot of the soul that occurs when you sort of wade into those waters. And it's also a show about a guy who can sometimes turn himself into the fusion of a helicopter and a rose. And th- those two things are insane and should not be compatible, but they are, right? They, they take these incredibly serious, meaningful, genuinely explored themes, but it's also just like wildly creative and vibrant. And they take both of those things seriously. They like, they, they don't see any disconnect there. And I think I take a lot of inspiration in that of like, you can, like really wade into big ideas and have really like genuine, like earnest and heartfelt uh, conversations about these things. But it could also be like wild and creative and vivid. And like, if we can have both of those things, is that not the best of both worlds? So that's certainly my perspective. Yeah. So, so let's talk a little bit about, um, you know, uh, the Kickstarter side of things. Mm. Um, how, how many Kickstarters is this for you? Is this first one? First one. Brand new. Uh, so yeah. how, how are you feeling after doing your, your first Kickstarter here? You got, as we record this, you mm-hmm. still have 11 days to go. Yep. Uh, so, uh, you, you guys could be listening to this and they could be over already. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but, but as of now, I am extremely tired. <laughs> <It's> been, <laughs> yeah, I bet <laughs> it has been a lot of work. It's also been incredible, right? Like I, we came to Kickstarter really because there was kind of no other way for us to keep the book creator owned and also fund an OGN. So it was real a necessity thing. But what I've found as we've gone through the process is this tremendous uh, community. We've had uh, amazing fan art. We've had like uh, pixel fan art. We've had people creating custom figures. Just the, the enthusiasm and the support has been almost overwhelming. Um, and I, I wasn't, I had no idea what to expect going, going in. So, um, the, the fact, it, the fact that it is so much more work than I was expecting is very much counterbalanced by the fact that it, uh, you know, it's, everyone's been amazing. That's awesome. So we're, we're going to take a small break right here really quick. Uh, when we come back, I, I want to talk a little bit about your, your career and, and a little bit of the creative process that went into this. And, and cause you, you worked with a little bit of, uh, you know, some of the big two kind of stuff. 
So uh, mm-hmm. when we come back, we'll talk a little bit about that. All right, and we're back, and I'm speaking to Matt Groom. Um, okay, so let's get into a little bit about your career, and then mm-hmm. uh, we'll get into the into the meat of the questions here. So, so you you've worked with you you you're actually currently working with uh, some Marvel titles, right? Yeah, that's right. I'm doing uh, the Ultraman series of miniseries. Uh, at the moment, we're on the Trials of Ultraman, which I'm co-writing with Kyle, and we have a tremendously talented artist named Francesco Mana and a colorist named Espen Grunjen. That's awesome. That's fantastic. So I, I, I gotta ask you, and I'm only asking you because I've because I've had a few friends and I ha- asked them the same question, hmm. and um. You know, from doing something like a, a book in the big two and then doing like a creator owned, you know, self-published book, um, it's obviously very huge. You know, it's your character when you own it and all that good stuff. So how does yeah. how does your creative process differ when you are playing with a big, huge conglomerate company's toy? Hmm. rather than using you know playing in your own sandbox yeah it's almost an opposite approach right like um i think it's interesting because ultraman is actually i think kind of a, a middle point on the spectrum for reasons they'll get to at the minute but as you said like on one end you have creator and books where there's nothing but a blank page you're creating everything a whole universe from the ground up uh and then when you're working on for example i did a, a short story featuring slam bradley for dc uh, very obscure character, but one that has existed literally longer than Batman. Like he is the detective of detective comics, right? Like uh, that, that <laughs> it's almost like a century old character. So you don't get to decide the world around that character. You don't get to decide their context. What you've got to do is try and look at that entity and find a way in, find an angle that fits with all of those pieces. Um, as opposed to the other way of doing it where, uh, at least how I do it, like I start with an idea and then I build a world that best sort of both uplifts and challenges that idea. Uh, and then, yeah, as I said, I think like Ultraman's kind of in the middle because as much as Ultraman's an established character, um, and property, and not only are we doing it for Marvel, Ultraman's owned by Super Aya, so there's a licensor involved. There's quite a few people involved, but we were also kind of rebooting Ultraman. So we had to create an entirely new universe and uh, create an entirely new history and cosmology for everything. And yeah, we were pulling on different bits that existed, but remixing them in new ways. So yeah, it was just really fascinating middle ground. Um, and yeah, in, t- in terms of like navigating things, I think it's just, it's about empathy, you know, at least when it's working right. Like um, working with Super Iron and Ultraman, we found that, you know, you might have expected them to be very, uh, you know, picky and, and and be like, oh, in this episode, Ultraman said this. So this is the sort of sentences he likes to use. Whereas it was, well, they were not concerned at all about that sort of stuff. Their only concern was what does Ultraman mean? Like what is the core and what is the message Ultraman is trying to bring? And then they were very happy for us to reinterpret it, that and sort of like reframe it and explore it from radically different ways, but just get the heart right. And that's something that, you know, I have a, a you know, a lot of respect for. I can always work with that because I, I mean, the dream I think of everyone is that everybody who owns an intellectual property that that's their main concern, right? Is like get the core of the character, right? Um, so I'm always happy, happy to sort of do that. Um, 
Yeah. And then like, I, I think too, there's as much as it could be a little bit more restrictive working in those sort of circumstances, um, doing some creator and books, it's, it's kind of nice to put your feet up sometimes and just write a script, you know, like a creator and book is the, the amount of different facets of it and like skills you have to learn and the things you have to sort of like be across. Like I love it because I love, um, being able to really guide every aspect of the reading experience from like the trade dress to the, like, you know, the design and everything. But sometimes <laughs> that's just too much, you know, and you're like, okay, I'm very happy to just write a script and send it to the editors and be like, good luck. You know? <laughs> there you go. Well, that's awesome, man. Uh, I, you definitely kind of have a different uh, perspective when it comes to working with uh, the two. All right, man. I appreciate you coming out here and hanging out with me. Uh, you know, we uh, we we uh, live in different time zones. You are living in the future. I am. It's great here, <laughs> and uh, you know uh, everything that happened before I do. Thanks again for listening to another episode of the House of Indie. Everyone, I appreciate you guys uh, sticking around and listening to this awesome, awesome episode. Again, I'm sorry that it's so short because this was a lost episode. I was able to find it. I still cannot recover the other lost files. I uh, that one, the, the jury's out on that one still. I may have to pay some money to recover them, but if there's anybody out there who is in IT land, please reach out to me. Anyway, thank you for listening to the House of Indie right here on the Geek Collective, an age of radio network. We'll see you guys next time. All um, in the comment books. And follow me on the Twitter.